Icarus, and this is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast, and we are in season three, and this is episode 37. So, hope everybody's having a great week. Oh, and this show is brought to you by the Crypto Cloaks. For all your 3D printing Bitcoin needs, go check it out, CryptoCloaks.com. So yeah, I have a very interesting talk today with um, probably a Bitcoiner that you guys don't know very well, but... You will, especially if you are a Lightning fan, you will definitely want to take a look at Infinite Jestifer's work. He has a website called satbase.org. That's part of our conversation, but it's not the whole thing. And he is essentially putting together resources that help to explain to us how to, um, I guess we'll say, how to monetize our Lightning channels, or better yet, how he monetizes his and you know, how he's figured out to to be able to do this. So, satbase.org and Infinite Justifer. But, before we get into that, we are going to talk about some dollar cost averaging and Swan Bitcoin. For anybody who is interested in dollar cost averaging and who wants to be purchasing Bitcoin but doesn't want to be spending their time constantly watching the charts and listening to traders that they really have no idea whether these people are credible or not, and you kind of just want to put this in kind of in a passive sleep mode where you're simply just accumulating and hodling, being able to transfer that Bitcoin out to your own private address. So if you're interested in doing that and that falls in, in your wheelhouse, then you are looking for Swan Bitcoin. With Swan Bitcoin, the three main takeaways are we've we can do automatic withdrawal from a bank account, automatic purchases of BTC. You can time them based on your uh, when you receive your check, you know, you can do it, uh, you know, let's say once um, you can do it once a month um, or you can do it per pay period as well. Um, there's lots of options for you to be able to customize how you purchase and you could automatically withdraw to your uh, your chosen address. So if you're interested in a Bitcoin only platform um, that is doing the uh, the great work of helping onboard people, then you definitely want to check out Swan Bitcoin. I'm going to have the uh, the link to their website in the show notes. All right, guys, here is my chat with Infinite Justin. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for joining me on the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. I'm your host, Coin Icarus, and joining me today is fellow Bitcoin plebe and hodler and lightning enthusiast. Um, it's at Jestifer underscore BTC or infinite jester and we've had a we've had a chance to meet through um bitcoin kindergarten and i just find him to be very well spoken and he's doing a lot of digging in lightning he's got a really cool website that he's just put together that just kind of throws all of his thoughts into one place and so i just i had to have him on the fun with bitcoin podcast so we could sit down and have this chat Jester, thank you so much for joining me man Dude, thanks. It's such an honor. Cool. I it, yeah. I I mean, we we've gone back and forth quite a bit, and I, I feel like uh, I you know I I feel like there's a uh, there's more to meets the eye with the infinite jester. So we're gonna kick it off. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna kick it off right away with the uh, you know the rabbit hole story or the pre rabbit hole story. Um, you know, how did you get to Bitcoin, and you know who is the thinker behind the thought? Totally. Um, it's, it's been, uh, you know, quite a journey as, as it is for everyone, but, uh, 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I studied environmental engineering. So I got like a little bit of like exposure to like some programming stuff. Um, and then uh, graduating like into like what was sort of like a late wave of the Great Recession. Um, and so I was like searching around for for jobs like all over the place. I was applying to several temp jobs and this is like with an engineering degree. And, uh, and I ended up uh, after applying to a whole bunch of temp agencies ending up at a call center that handled uh, the provided information on class action lawsuits. And, you know, so we we're just like reading from a script and whatnot, but all the cases that they put me on were cases about, uh, you know, about banks where, and, and banks would do these super insidious things like uh, reorganizing credit card or debit card transactions to maximize overdraft fees. Um, so they were charging people that literally had no money, like as much as they possibly could. And that that's usually like 30 bucks a pop. And so I was like talking to people that were affected by this, like day in and day out for for months before they put me on a different case, which was usually like a Wells Fargo, like mortgage lending discrimination, uh, that that type of thing. Um, and just to just to see like how how flawed that system was um and uh you know so like later i would listen to andreas hansenopoulos would kind of like all tie this all together um but uh right after that then uh this call center got a contract to handle identity theft and like big security breach cases you know so they handled the the target uh security breach where everyone's uh you know credit card information got got leaked um and just seeing seeing all that stuff happen i was like man this is deeply flawed and i think the what what really uh frustrated me was uh dakota access pipeline like the standing rock uh protests yeah because uh because then uh wells fargo was you know, who I was a customer of um, and felt kind of locked into them. You know, they were taking customer funds and uh, putting it towards a project that had, you know, widespread disapproval, you know, at least in the area. Um, and so I was like, man, how do I, how do I opt out of this system? Because this is messed up. And, uh, you know, later I, you know, finally got an engineering job and whatnot. Um, but I fell asleep listening to like the internet of money. This that's uh, Andreas Antonopoulos's book. And uh, I woke up and I it felt like I was so deep down the rabbit hole. And I was like, finally, like he, like Andreas uh, identified that whole master slave relationship that we have with banks. And he was able to, you know, spell it out super eloquently. Um, and, from then on, I've just been learning all I could about this technology, you know, like getting deep into like the math stuff, which really excites me. Uh, I want to give a shout out to three blue, one brown for their video about SHA-256 security. And uh, yeah, cause that, all those, 
all those little educational pieces helped me learn more about this technology and you know how how much good it can do to answer some of those uh, problems that that came up in the in the call center um, just talking to regular folks and uh, from from there uh, discovering lightning and trying out Poyo feed. I think that was one of my first lightning channels that I opened, um, you know, feeding chickens, just seeing how not only can Bitcoin be a store of value, but it can also be, also do payments really, really well. And that's that's really starting to play out in, in Strike app, uh, you know, Jack Mahler's um, project. And uh, yeah, so, you know, after, really taking advantage of all these learning resources. Um, I, I I finally threw my hat in the ring to the startup sapbase.org and uh, to be able to spell out uh, just just how to like be a good, you know, lightning peer, uh, how to be a routing node. Um, and, you know, currently it's just kind of dumping my, my thoughts and the things that I've learned along the way. But um, I'm hoping to be able to assemble some really good resources like the, the stuff that you've done with uh, the Rasplitz uh, tutorial. Uh, I want to start incorporating those things into the website so I can have just a landing page for people to, you know, take their lightning knowledge uh, a, a step further. That That is absolutely amazing. And we're going to actually, I want to uh, ask you for that video that you're talking about, the, the three blue, one brown. Um, if, oh, okay. If um, if you could provide the link so that way I could add it to the show notes because that would probably be helpful to the uh, to the listeners. Um, oh, for sure. But uh, yeah, so I find it really fascinating that you. So I also uh, I worked once upon a time in a call center. Uh, it was a part time job, but of course the call center that I worked in had much more to do with scamming people. Um, so, but it's interesting, right? That you just explained. And, and it's kind of like I always felt that they were doing scammy stuff, but it's interesting that you explained that they reorganized the credit card transactions to ma uh, sorry, the, they reorganized the transactions to maximize the overdraft fees that that is that is complete. That, that is such a complete scumbag move that, that you, you know what I mean? Like, we're supposed to trust these banks. We are supposed to, you know, they're supposed to be a quote unquote trusted third party and they're and, and they reorganize the transactions to rob us yeah like it, it's ridiculous and you know what the sad insane hypocritical thing is the, these are human beings like that they themselves end up would have to pay and uh, would end up having to pay these fees if they were down on their luck and i also find it very hypocritical that companies take it out on like you'll notice it's always the poorest people that that end up losing the most in this case. Oh man, you uh, you really you really touched on it, um, and I think I expressed it in a nice way. But <laughs> in the time, you know, I was I was furious because uh, not only did I have to you know take take a job that was like way below my skill set, um, and I, I was appreciative for it, but but still the fact that you know. Like, we've just destroyed the economy in the U.S., and I'm stuck here on the phones with folks um, in, in pretty much a dead-end job. But the fact that even amidst all of that, uh, banks and, and you know, the, the people that are stuck in that hierarchy of the bank are 
perpetuating this terrible system, uh, stealing money from from poor people, um, from people of color. It's and it, just taking advantage of their lack of knowledge uh, about the financial system and taking money from people that literally have no money. Uh, so yeah, reorganizing transactions in highest to lower do lowest dollar order, it zeroed out their bank account faster. And they could just, they can just, you know, mess around with those transactions however they want. And no one went to jail for any of those things. In fact, like what one no. person went to jail for the financial crisis? Uh, they get a it, they get a slap on the wrist. It, it, uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was furious, uh, and I I ended up getting put on some uh, complete scam cases where. Uh, people had a whole bunch of debts and so they would pay money to this uh, legal services organization that was a complete scam that was saying uh, stop paying all of your debts uh, we'll represent you and we'll take care of everything just just be sure to stop and and we'll just we'll take your your money instead um, you know four thousand eight uh, ten thousand dollars um, for this legal representation that never materialized um, so I was I was handling some of those cases, getting folks um, back payments for those, but really it's gonna be a fraction of whatever the damages were. Like you're not gonna be made whole um, in that type of situation. You're gonna get a fraction, you know, minus the lawyer fees. So yeah, I was, uh, I was furious about that. Um, and I was like, how could we allow this to happen where we're being completely controlled, um, you know, by banks and and the governments that allow this to happen um, so, so i was uh that's mad i don't blame you i mean people should realize you know from this conversation that we're having i mean you know we're we're essentially you know we're handing we're handing the shackles you know to the you know to the uh uh essentially like to the prison guards and saying here you know cuff me and it's just, it's absolutely, it's just absolutely sickening. I have to be honest, this was one of the main reasons why I got into Bitcoin was my um, distrust of the banks and my absolute hatred for their business practices. And I have, um, back in the day when I had more energy to waste yelling at stupid people, um, <laughs> I, I, I used to argue every single time. Um, that they would try to charge me a new fee. And I would call them up and I would say, can you please send me a list of all of the new services you're adding in order to justify this fee increase for everything? Oh, man. Oh, man. And, and they would sit there and they'd go, well, we, don't, we don't have to do that. It's, we're increasing the fee. I'm like, no, I understand what you're doing. I, I go, but you see, like when, when I go and I charge somebody more, I have to show more value for me charging them more. They have to feel that they're getting more value. I don't feel like I'm getting more value. So you need to tell me what it is that you're doing so that I, I can justify paying this fee. And if you can't tell me that, then I can't pay this fee. And eventually, you know, the lower levels of, you know, customer service would then bump me up to a, you know, one of their senior representatives, which would then waive the fee. And then I would have the same argument one year later. It, because they yeah, would just do it again. Uh, like it, it's, it, it is, I'm sorry. Like it, it is just such absolute mind fuckery, you know, like, and, and we sit there and, and we, you know, we give into it. 
it's so scary. I, uh, anyways, it's really interesting that, that you worked in that, um, you know, to, to get to see it firsthand. And I'm sure that, uh, so like, how did that impact? Like when you first saw Bitcoin, did that just like click? Oh, it, or how did it go? I, I started listening to it. I was like, okay, what was this thing that I just like bought into, you know, I, you know, plunked down a little bit of money that I had left over from a car loan. And I was like, you know, I'm getting kind of annoyed with all these uh, these celebratory gifts I'm getting out of Reddit, you know, from these major price gains. Maybe I'll put a little bit of money in. And then uh, after I did, I was trying to understand this investment and uh, listening to Andrea Sansonopoulos uh, like talk about master-slave relationships. And I was thinking, my God, like this, if, if this thing works, uh, we just solved this entire problem that that we've been stuck in this this fiat master slave relationship with with banks um and and that's where like bitcoin just sets you free uh you can do whatever you want and you're never gonna have to worry about these fees coming from nowhere like if you want to pay fees don't move your bitcoin don't send it anywhere um and when you do pay a fee like it's going to be nothing compared to the overdraft fees that people were uh, having to pay when they had no money. Uh, it's just such an answer. And so, you know, I could immediately see uh, Bitcoin fixes this and, you know, and then reading uh Saifedean and learning about time preference, you know, orange coin good <laughs> for sure because this is gonna this is gonna restructure society because it's a completely different governance model you know i've always struggled with like hierarchies and stuff um and uh and just to see that flattening effect that you could have a complete tinkerer hobbyist like run an international finance system off a of raspberry pi like this is an immense tool um and uh Finally, we get to see this uh, technology be a double-edged sword, and finally, it, it's a powerful—it's powerful enough to uh, disrupt uh, a, a really abusive system. Oh, I entirely agree. I, I mean, it—essentially, it, um, uh, you know, we're taking the value away from—you know—we're taking the value away from the system and putting it into the network where it belongs with the people that are actually providing and using the value in that network. You know, because at the end of the day, these bankers, they're not providing any value. It's, you know, all it is, all it really is, is the illusion of value under a system of control. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, talk about dead weight. Um where, <laughs> you know, I can run, I can have every feature plus more with using some open source technology um, in a peer-to-peer -peer network, and I can have all the features of a bank and more. Um, and, and we're getting more and more, uh, you know, avenues to explore uh, every day with, you know, the, the uh, Bitcoin-backed loans and such, uh, where I can, I don't even have to sell Bitcoin I can still like get a loan and uh, yeah, using it for collateral. Those are all just super exciting avenues that probably wouldn't be available to me uh, from a traditional bank. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. So. Um, all right. So uh, actually moving on to, okay. So why did you choose uh, Poyo Feed for your first lightning experience? Like, was it, you just heard about it or what was it that made you uh, choose that? You know, it was, it was cutesy. Uh, you know, my folks, uh, you know, raise rabbits and, uh, and it was just fun to see, you know, how they're just setting up a, a tiny camera and a feeder. And, you know, you get a guy like me that just loves to see this technology in action. Um, Cause lightning, I just think is so cool where, you know, my first, uh, my first big Bitcoin purchase was like in the peak of 2017. Um, and so I, I paid a pretty high transaction fee. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I was thinking, oh, man, we got to find a better system than this because, you know, I can't just uh, I can't be spending 20 bucks on a transaction. Like, no way. <laughs> this doesn't work. So uh, but Poyo Feed, it was cutesy. I could demonstrate it. Um, I've seen it demonstrated a couple of times. And, you know, I like downloaded the Eclair mobile wallet and I was able to you know, send a couple of transactions and just show how cool this technology was um, and feeding little chickens. And, you know, that, that felt pretty good. That's cool. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like that. Uh, I kind of like that stuff too, which is why I built the, uh, the lightning gumball machine from, uh, um, it was uh, BTC Socialist that uh, did the original instructions. So I, I ported it over to a, uh, a different type of gumball machine and, uh, that I, I totally agree. Seeing it in action definitely helps solidify the uh, the use case. Oh yeah, and I, I think uh, Coin Center uh, took some time to display that gumball machine for for Congress uh, or some members of Congress. So, and and I, I think we're getting to see you know some of the positive results of that, where you know banks can now custody Bitcoin. It's just like. He's, we're just sort of moving the needle for like regulatory acceptance. Uh, at least that's that's how I see the, the wind blowing. So there's always a lot of controversy, right? Between, uh, you know, with the uh, the whole, you know, banks custodying Bitcoin. Um, I know that we've talked about this on, on BTC Kindergarten uh, intermittently, you know, throughout different episodes. But what is um, what's your opinion on that? Um. You know, like them custodying Bitcoin. Like, let me ask you this. Would you custody your Bitcoin with a bank? And it doesn't mean others shouldn't. It's just uh, just your take. Uh, you know, if you can just learn a little bit about, about Bitcoin and be able to do everything that a bank would be able to do um, and more because... Mm -hmm. You know, the knowledge that you gain in this space is going to be power. So I'm not dropping my Bitcoin off at a bank because I know they're crooks um, and I know they won't be held accountable um, because all of these class action lawsuits end in settlements. Um, and when they go bankrupt, it will be taxpayers and other people that will foot the bill for it. Um, it's, so it's very interesting you say this because... I think at the end of the day, what we understand is, is that for the first time in, in, you know, recent banking history, they are going to have to actually provide value for the money that they steal 
They're actually going to have to, with a Bitcoin future, they are going to have to earn sats. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, and they're going to be so far behind because, you know, I've been spending my, <laughs> you know, the last several years just learning as much as I can and accumulating as much as I can because uh, I get to front run them for the first time ever. Um, and this is, you know, to me, is a generational trade where, you know, they're, they are still accepting dollars uh, for Bitcoin, which is just superior in every way. Um, so uh, very exciting times where I get to beat out Wall, Wall Street, you know. Uh, we don't have to show that we're the 99% and go attacking the 1% because I get to front run them now. That's right. And power to the people. I'm actually uh, I'm actually reading the um, the price of tomorrow uh, by Jeff Booth right now. It's it's a really interesting book and um, it's kind of touching on what you're talking about. You know, see, we are small enough and nimble enough, um, and let's just say, imaginative enough that we can see a Bitcoin future, and and it's it's an essentially a Bitcoin future is exponential growth from where we are here. But you see, the giant dinosaur system can't see a Bitcoin future. It it has too much. It has too much invested in this current, you know, the, the, this the, this current system that robs everybody around every corner. So they will fight tooth and nail to hang on to this antiquated system, you know, by any means necessary. Oh yeah, I think you uh, you nailed it there, um, and. Uh... You know, I I haven't read uh, Price of Tomorrow yet. It's definitely on my list. But after hearing Jeff Booth speak a couple of times, especially with uh, Lynn Alden on uh, Swan Signal, that was that was awesome. Uh, just just to show exactly what what you were saying. You know, that we're we're small and nimble, and we can we can adopt this technology. Um, and uh, man, the amount of jobs that are going to be available to us, you know, because we took the time to actually learn about the technology mm -hmm. is, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be in high, high demand, not only us as individuals, but also, uh, you know, our, our Bitcoin that we've accumulated. Um, and, uh, I, I really like, uh, Jeff Booth's take on, you know, how technology is deflationary and that has been uh, stolen from us, uh, repeatedly with, with bailouts yep yeah that's exactly right and and there's another thing that he touches on which is really interesting is that the human mind um has a terrible is or i should say the human mind is terrible at grasping the impact and i guess we'll say the largest of exponentials you know like <laughs> it, it's it, like uh, he gave one good example right um okay so let me ask you this would you take okay so let's say you, you had uh, this the, the following scenario. You could pick, you could take $1 million today or in 31 days, you could take the sum of a penny doubling every day. Which would you take? Would you take a million dollars on day one or would you take what you're left with from that penny, from one penny doubling at the end of 31 days? Boy, I really don't want to do math on the fly. But, no, no. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> no, just uh, it's a penny doubling every day. Yep, 
every single day for 31 days. So, I mean, you don't have to do the math, but like, (laughs) it's because don't get me wrong, but like we, we understand like right away, he's trying to make a point about exponential growth. So just that alone should tell us that the million dollars is not the right thing to take. And actually if a penny doubled for 31 days, if a, if a penny doubled every single day for 31 days, you'd have over $10 million after 31 days. No kidding. Yeah, but the, the our human our mind like just doesn't see that. You know? Oh yeah. I run into this like all the time whenever I show a Bitcoin chart because if you look at if you look at it on a linear scale, you're thinking, okay, this thing just like popped out of nowhere and it's it, it's kinda looking like it's going down overall. You know, but you know, it's a short, short time frame because it just went to nothing and then it became something. Okay, yeah, some big boom. But then you look at it on a loss scale, and it's like, okay, this thing is just gradually trending up. But then you look at those moves that it makes and just absolutely face melting candles Ugh. the entire way that, you know, and we've just become accustomed to volatility. Um, but when you see that trend on a log scale uh, that helps you understand those exponentials that you're talking about, like what, what an exciting time. And we get to see that number go up. So, Oh, absolutely. It's looking good. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's, you know, you, you, you nailed it right there. You know, the face melting. It's so true. I, I mean, I still remember from 2017, you know, and again, it's, you know, I know that a lot of us sound nostalgic, but the problem is, is that this has happened before, even before 2017, these face melting moves like th- this is what people don't understand. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, you'd think that people would be selling on these moves. I can tell you from my personal experience, seeing these moves does not make me want to sell. I didn't oh, even know, you know, and, and the problem is, is that the dips don't make me want to sell either. So the dips don't inspire fear. They inspire confidence to buy more. And and then the face-melting candles inspire to hold. So it's like, <laughs> it's again. so good. <laughs> and just to see all of Bitcoin Twitter just dunking on uh, uh, Stool Presidente. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, la- Davey Day Trader couldn't handle... A- little small percent dip and he sold his position and we're all thinking this is nothing this is nothing because because you like i've already experienced a 40 percent move like in a day you know and it, luckily it was to the upside but like <laughs> i've all also experienced the downside and yeah i don't even blink but you know I get, you know, hot and sweaty and I just want to buy more. <laughs> yep. And and it's kind of funny, right? Because you saw his tweets. He's, you know, he's like sitting there, you know, explaining how like, oh, well, you know, you, you know, the, um, there's something wrong, right? There's something wrong with Bitcoin. There's something wrong with this stuff because, you know, it should always just be going up, you know? So, <laughs> so, so because, because we're not using a, an entirely rigged, checked, gated system, we're the suckers. Like, I mean, really? He's just, it, it, it was just so funny. And to your point, it, it was, it, it was sad. You know, the, this guy that's like this amazing, quote unquote, amazing trader. He's making all this money and, and he can't handle a little bit of volatility. Like, dude, this is, this should be your, this should be your, your place to shine is that volatility. So he just has weak hands and it was so funny to see him fold. Yeah. 
uh, to his credit, he did say he has to learn more. And, yes, and that's uh, and that's definitely the point to take away because you shouldn't invest in things that you don't understand. Um, so you know, I would never be pulling Scrabble tiles out of a bag to pick stocks. Um, <laughs> in fact, I'm just wholeheartedly, you know, not picking any stocks. Uh, why would I take that when I can have Bitcoin, which has tremendous upside? Now, now let me ask you this: Did you happen to see the uh, the video with uh, uh, the the Winklevi explaining it to him? Oh my God! Just a this cringe, so cringe. Oh, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you know, you and I have spent you know countless episodes now on Bitcoin Kindergarten. You know, getting to explain these and kind of you know sharpening our rhetoric for you know why this technology is important um and also you know how to how to think about this this investment that you're making um that is going to be you know your future money um and uh so to to watch you know the winklevi try and explain bitcoin in terms of asteroid mining uh it really, really misses the mark um, yeah. compared to a whole bunch of plebs getting together and being able to explain, you know, Bitcoin's value proposition really eloquently. I, I really feel like we should have invited him to to Bitcoin Kindergarten because he's at that level and he probably <laughs> he probably would have really benefited, like you just said, from us talking about it. And and I, I want to go back to the point you made about the astro mining. I, I pretty much only use the mining for gold on other planets when I'm trying to get like philosophical and out there. Okay. Like the fact, yeah. the fact that these two supposedly very intelligent and savvy brothers um, used that as part of their main pitch to a guy that clearly only understands fiat dollars. Um, I don't get how they thought that that was the angle that they should go with. Like, no wonder the guy ended up buying a shit coin, you know, like, exactly. Like, of course, you know, you just came out with moon rocks and you're telling them all this, like you're telling him all this garbage. Like uh, anyways, it was, yeah, I totally agree. It was totally cringe. Oh, totally. Yeah. But you know, Bitcoin is, you know, such a, uh, such a fluid animal, you know, it's, uh, it's it's different things to different people. It's a total gravity well, um, and uh, yeah, you get sucked in, and then you know when you try and go to explain it so many times, it just comes out. You know, you think you're being cosmic, but people might be like, "What in the world is this guy talking about?" But you know, once you realize like money touches everything, and the the ability for you to uh, let's see just talking about like asteroid mining like all the bitcoiners are thinking about stock to flow um you know after safedine and uh plan b like really really showed that that whole model you know that's that's what we're concerned about but i don't know if that resonates with with people that are that still haven't understood what what money is uh yeah but it's a it's a fun technology to to think about but definitely not not a beginner beginner level explanation of bitcoin and these are the guys that had a ton of money left over from uh facebook and and they threw they threw that into bitcoin and bitcoin companies 
uh, I mean, fantastic move, but to throw that much money towards it and not really understand, like, Bitcoin? Uh, I mean, it, it really surprised me. I thought they would have much higher conviction or uh, be able to explain this a lot better. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And actually, I was just... Um... Uh, I was looking at this tweet from this guy, uh, I think it's Mark Gutman, who who made a tweet today about how all the Bitcoin bros are really just in it for the fiat gains. And and it's like, and he's like, if you go take, take a look at his profile, you know, he's, you know, Wall Street and JP Morgan and all this crap. So th this guy has totally drank the fiat Kool-Aid and it's like, you, you still don't get it, right? Like, we're, we're, we're not here for your garbage poverty money. <laughs> no like, like, that's not why why we're would here. i want scraps of paper <laughs> exactly why would i want worthless scraps of paper that the government can can make me poorer by the second with this is this is what they don't get and again it just goes to show the level of indoctrination that you know every single one of us goes through and you know like it's it's we we have to undo our thought process in order to be able to properly understand value transmission and money so oh yeah you but, know here i've been like accumulating for a little bit and then just recently just looking at the macro landscape i'm thinking you know here was this technology that i was starting to play with starting to learn more about and it's only done good things for me um and then now seeing our situation it's like this is all in time man like this is the stable technological financial future that we've all been hoping for. That, um, that's right. That is exactly right. And actually, you know what? I want to touch on. I want to touch on that, right? Because a lot of a, a, another no coiner stupid argument is is that this is like the uh, you know the tulip craze. So anybody who actually goes back and does research on the tulip craze will realize very quickly that that is a horrible analogy. Okay, because what what it had to do with was people wanted to buy these tulip bulbs because they thought it was a status symbol. And that is what jacked the price of tulip bulbs. Okay, and what caused the, the tulip bubble. So, oh, yeah. So Bitcoin isn't a status symbol like, you know, it's it's not even it's not even remotely close to that. I, I'm sorry, but, you know, it's like I speak to a lot of engineers. They're not sitting there like, oh, you know, Coin Icarus is just a, a total up there, you know, king-like genius because he's holding Bitcoin. They, they don't <laughs> think that at all. Like, so it, it's yeah. the, the psychology behind it doesn't even make any sense. And it's funny that any, like, it's just funny that the no-coiners grasp onto these arguments and, and they think that it, it has value. You know, they think that, aha, I'm going to get him with this this... The, the tulip bubble analogy. It's like, did you even go and read about this? Did you actually go and check why they thought this was valuable and why it failed? Ah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not buying Bitcoin because it's cool. And the people that are into Bitcoin are also not the reason that I buy Bitcoin. But uh, it's a good... There's fantastically smart people already in Bitcoin, which tells me oh man, okay, I'm not the only one that realizes this. And I have massive respect for all the other people that have come to the same conclusion that, that I have, that, that Bitcoin's going to change the world. Exactly. 
You know, that that's that's exactly right. And and to your point, right? It's not about the people, it's not necessarily about the people in Bitcoin, but I, I would uh, suggest, like you just said, you know, take a look at you know the the reasoning of the people in Bitcoin and you know the type of um, I guess you'd say the characters that that are in and around Bitcoin. And for me, it just happens to be the people that are a willing to question things, b willing to do the research to figure out if their questioning is merited, and that is something oh, yeah. I don't see in mainstream finance. That's true. And uh, to your point about kind of speculative manias, you know, which was probably that tulip craze or uh, just doing it because it's cool. Um, I've never seen poorer looking millionaires than I have been in like Bitcoin. Oh my God. Because, because <laughs> you know, people are just sitting on, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of Bitcoin. And, you know, they, you know, at least locally, they still look like they, you know, rolled out of the hamper. <laughs> which is hilarious to me because you know they realize it's much better if i just save my money i don't have to contribute to this uh you know consumerist system anymore like i'm only going to buy things that have tremendous value into the future that will be good for generations um not this uh you know high time preference you know buying a whole bunch of flashy things to show how cool i am you know, I'm not going to be stocking up on tulip, tulip bulbs just because it's cool. <laughs> so I think you touch on a, a very good point, right? Um, that That's where I, and I've said this in the past, is that I really believe that Bitcoin, um, because of its game theory, okay, um, and because of, you know, NGU, right? Number go up technology, supposedly. Oh, yeah. um, what's going to happen is, is that it's going to inspire people to create and build higher quality items you know, like that lasts longer because people are not going to be incentivized to keep spending their money with, because it's not crap. I don't need to get rid of this money. Whereas right now, I'm actually better off buying a useless plastic piece of garbage that I can resell because that piece of garbage is probably going to retain its value better than the money will, which is really <laughs> sad because what yeah. I just bought is still garbage, but it's not as crappy as the money <laughs> so yeah it's kind I of funny i remember hearing this story about uh you know someone going to uh visit like a, a place that was going through hyperinflation i think this might have been like russia or something where they were you know carting around this wheelbarrow full of you know this paper money and you know someone stopped them to ask them uh or aren't you worried someone's gonna steal your money and, and then they said, no, I'm worried that they're going to steal my wheelbarrow. Yes. So, <laughs> because, yeah, you're right. You know, we're we're we've been incentivized to buy all these physical goods, these these cheap things from China. And uh, that's that's not what we want. No, we, we want some lasting value that solves, you know, real problems that we experience. Um, and so. You're right. Like I've been inspired to think about how do I create value, and how can I, how can I sustain, uh, you know, this creation of value and be able to, to like start a business for myself, um, or start an organization to help people learn, um, because, you know, there's a lot of people that I care about in the world, and I want them to, 
discover you know the power of Bitcoin a lot sooner rather than later. Um, so I, I carry some some urgency with it, you know, because uh, it's it's important, Absolutely. critically important. One hundred percent, it's important. I don't want the, <laughs> I don't want them to have to worry about a wheelbarrow. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, don't get me wrong, but uh, I've seen, you know, I've seen some of the hardware stores try to chain those wheelbarrows. You could still steal them pretty easily. So I don't know. It's just, it just, uh, I'd be worried about my wheelbarrow as well. But uh, all right. So, so we definitely, we, we definitely destroyed Fiat. Um, Fiat yeah. is dead. So we're going to move on to your, so you created a, um, you created a website called satbase.org. And before we get into the, uh, into satbase.org, what, why did you make this website? What was your intention? Why did you feel the need to build and contribute to the Bitcoin ecosystem? So, you know, after uh, experimenting with, uh, you know, Poyo feed and, you know, my like a clear mobile wallet, uh, I finally like made the plunge and, and got a Raspberry Pi. Um, and I first started with Raspy Bolt and I just didn't know enough, you know, command line stuff to, to actually make my way through that at the time. And uh, hopefully I'm, I'm there now. Actually, that's going to be one of my next projects. But, uh, but you know, I was experimenting with Raspi Blitz. Uh, I really liked Ride the Lightning, uh, that, that GUI. And then I, uh, and I discovered a couple of more... Uh, add-ons to the Rasp Blitz, uh, specifically Thunderhub, uh, which, oh my gosh, what a beautiful user interface to manage your Lightning node. Um, really? And, and I also got, uh, I also started conversations with Alex Bosworth, who's working on another tool called Balance of Satoshis, which is a command line tool. And between Thunderhub and Balance of Satoshis, like suddenly you can control, you know, your financial system that's running on your little Raspberry Pi uh, with some really incredible tools that will save you sats um, and also set you up to earn some routing income. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just watching all these you know, new people discovering these tools. Um, and so I've been spending lots of time helping helping them get started uh, and how to think about liquidity issues that pop up on Lightning Network and uh, help people f uh, kind of frame, you know, what is, what's risky on Lightning? Because it started off being reckless and now, you know, there's, but Wumbo is now here. You know, people can put immense amounts of of Bitcoin on Lightning, and can largely feel comfortable about that. So, I wanted to educate all these new folks coming in that had tons of questions, and just recognizing the fact that we're going to run out of, you know, one sat per byte transactions in the mempool, and people are going to have to adopt lightning because just thinking about like you know i've been paying you know one sat per byte fees for you know the the past two years 
which you know cost me about two cents you know depending on the price yeah um but uh if if that if bitcoin does 10x then which is like totally reasonable uh given the macro landscape then that would be a 20 cent transaction each time which you know now that's uh more than probably more than a credit card transaction fee um so you're like at the same time with all that adoption the mempool is going to fill up and so we're going to need an ability to transact to support the circular economy that's going on in bitcoin um and the way to do that is with lightning because you can send tons and tons of transactions for way less fees um so so using uh, using Thunderhub and Balance of Satoshi's, like I can start creating a stable payments layer, and I can earn some yield on my Bitcoin. Uh, so you know, I I was realizing that you know I'm one of the first plebs that I know of that is making a positive yield uh, with my Bitcoin on Lightning, and I'm thinking, okay, what I'm doing by buying and reselling liquidity, I'm actually making sure that stores can continue to receive payments via Lightning to make this system a lot more stable and able to, to handle kind of the volatility issues uh, and liquidity issues that, that go on uh, is volatility in terms of liquidity. So. Yeah, I realize like I'm not going to be able to explain these things in little chats. Like I'm going to have to go long form uh, <laughs> to like to be able to explain what in the world I'm talking about uh, because liquidity is such an abstract concept, um, and uh, it's it's a cool, fun problem uh, to like really dive into. So routing. Becoming a routing node feels a lot like fishing, um, like you know, like dropping a, a line in some water, hoping for a fish. Um, not not pH. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been fun. Uh, and when you're buying and selling liquidity, it's not like it's more like you're moving the water, uh, you know, through a, a net instead of you know moving the net around because you know people that are starting routing nodes they're gonna like try and get their liquidity set up so that they're able to route more transactions but when you start buying and selling liquidity you're you're moving the river um, so, so it's uh these are powerful tools so do you explain how to do this uh through the raspy blitz or anything like that on satbase.org because i'm uh, i'm definitely interested i i was a routing node for a very long time and I, I left all of my fees because this was way at the beginning. Um, I left all of my fees at, at pretty much zero, you know, just to just to provide the liquidity, you know. Yeah, um, and and that's uh, that's one of the things that I was trying to tackle with satbase.org because I'm trying to tell people that um, what you're what you're doing is a very nice thing, but you're kind of being taken advantage of. Yes, exactly. Um, so because like 
someone like me is going to come along and I'm going to move all your liquidity so that it benefits me. That's right. And your job is to raise your routing fees so that you don't let me do that because I will take advantage of it. Now, okay, uh, a lot of people get worried that they're going to lose money on Lightning. And the only way to really lose money on Lightning is uh, to just spend a lot of on-chain fees, which you don't have to do. Like, you know, you don't have to worry about losing your money when you're opening a Lightning channel. You're just, you're having to pay it, you know, a, an on-chain fee. So that's like, that's people losing money, which really is not much. I mean, you're spending, you know, two so, to 20 cents on a on-chain transaction. It's still your money and it's in a more liquid state on Lightning. Um, so there's like there's lots of uh, lots of fear um, around, around Lightning. Um, but the reality is like you can put your money on Lightning and you can earn a yield with it. Um, if, yeah, and if you're thoughtful about how you're setting routing fees and who you're connecting to and are able to tackle some of these very uh, abstract problems, um, you're, you're set to do pretty well. So let me ask you this. What would you suggest for somebody wanting to start up a, uh, um, you know, a lightning node and to use it as a routing node? What do you think is the um, the minimum amount of Bitcoin that that you should put on it to to get like to to actually be able to provide uh, that functionality and uh, be able to earn yield on it? Yeah, uh, actually, that this was my uh, most recent post on sapbase.org. Um, oh, cool. You know how do you how do you set routing fees, um, and how do you how do you think about this? Um, and so I I kind of go through like here are the risks. You're keeping Bitcoin in a hot wallet, um, so those are your risks. Now, on the services that you're providing, which is that's what you're doing on Lightning, uh, you are connect you're forming new connections on a network. So, and the size of your contribution is based on the liquidity that you're adding here. So if you're gonna open a tiny channel, like in order for you to make a positive return on that, you've gotta bump those rookie routing fees up. Yeah, pump those numbers up because you want that channel uh, with all of its routing fees, if all the liquidity moves from one side to the other, that has to pay for your uh, at least your uh, channel opening and the eventual eventual channel closing. Um, so you just got to run the numbers there. Now, so you can quickly see, like, I want to open a much larger channel, and then I can start uh, putting on competitive routing fees. So this is why people are getting quickly pushed into going Wumbo um, and creating those those channels that are more than 16 million Satoshis, uh, which is like 0.16 Bitcoin. Yeah. Hmm. This is so, a... yeah, lots to think about. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not a developer, so hopefully I'm able to explain these things in, in ways that people can understand because there's a lot to learn here. It's this new excite front for Bitcoin, which is gonna be the stable payments layer for the world. I'll tell you what would be very cool. I mean, I, I obviously love satbase.org. I'm going to go check it out and read more about setting up the routing node uh, so that I'm not getting taken advantage of this time uh, on purpose. Uh, but yes. again, it was my own decision, right? Like people ask me, like, why aren't you charging fees? Like you could be, it's funny, right? Like almost every single person when I first started doing this was like, well, why are you doing this for free? You should be making money off of this. Or, or uh, how much money do you make off having lightning channels? I'm like, I make nothing. And they're like, well, that's stupid. And it's like, <laughs> you know, if, if every single thing you do is just about getting paid, you know, just like they said in Wayne's World, I just think that's real sad. Like, really? Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's, I just find that so weak. You know, like, whatever happened to doing something because you wanted to learn, because you wanted to expand your mind, because you wanted to understand something a little bit better. And then once you can, once you understand it, you can then provide value to others. And in return, you may get compensation. Absolutely. You know? so, yeah, this is this is not charity. Um, no. So if you want to if you want to experiment with lightning, go ahead and, you know, create a small channel for personal spending just to save yourself on-chain fees yes you know you there's a store that you like open a channel um and make it so that you can make several purchases from that channel and save yourself some on-chain fees but if you want to buy a service to the lightning network you're going to be connecting different networks of people so all the transactions that they want to make on one side you are creating a channel to connect to all of your other peers on the other side, which is a completely different network, hopefully. And you want to be at the center of that. And you want to be able to move all of your friends' transactions on one side to all of your friends' transactions, uh, uh, like businesses on the other side. And so for you to be that conduit between those two networks, uh, Put some money on the Lightning Network and charge a fee so that you can sustain this. So a lot of people have a great experience with Lightning where it is, where it can get to that very reliable state. Because we always have the ability to fall back onto the, the main you know, Bitcoin blockchain. But we don't have to. And that space is precious. So, yeah. Uh, you know, think about yeah, if you want to provide a greater service, charge some routing fees so that you can keep this going. So you're not just donating to the network. Totally agreed. All right, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap it up. But before we do, um, I got one last question for you. Why uh, why infinite jester? <laughs> uh, it, I love Jester has been uh, yeah. Jester was like a. A, a nickname that I that I got in college. You know, my my actual name is is Jesse, and a couple of people have asked me, "What's Jesse short for?" Which um, was, you know, I wasn't ever sure quite how to respond without making them feel completely dumb. So uh, a friend of mine suggested, <laughs> "Oh, it's it's short for Jestifer. 
uh, <laughs> which was just, you know, fun. And, you know, people started calling me Justifer and it's a, it's a three smile name. Uh, Cause yeah, just in saying it a couple of times, like it forces you to, to smile and that's, uh, that's fantastic. And then, you know, then we got infinite money printer and I, uh, I tacked that on and it, it makes a subtle reference to the book infinite jest uh, which is just a cool piece of literature oh cool so, i should check so that yeah. out infinite jest okay <laughs> very cool so yeah uh that's uh that's the origin of Jester. i love it i i absolutely love it and it's funny that you say that about your name and it's funny that people couldn't figure out that that was the full name and that they thought it was short for something else um, yeah, I, I definitely uh, I've always joked around about, you know, the, the name Bill being short for Billiam. So, yeah, you know, it's like, really? <laughs> Anyways, uh, or Billford, you know, something like that. But uh, yeah, I uh, I definitely love it. I I love the uh, I, I think your name is awesome. I didn't realize that that's what it stood for. Um, but uh, it's super cool. And I guess. OK, one last question. Um, if you were to give, if you were to give a piece of advice to anybody getting into Bitcoin or getting into Lightning, what would be the one thing you would tell them to start them off on the path? This is for for Lightning. Could be either one. Yeah, uh, I think I think there's a kind of a flow. So first, get greedy because this number is going up. <laughs> Um, and then uh, learn learn all you can about this. Learn what you invested in. Um, from there, once you learn, start building and build out this infrastructure so that it's ready for the next people that are coming. And there's going to be a lot of people coming. Totally agreed and beautifully said. All right, Jester, thank you very much for coming on my podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Coin Icarus. This was a pleasure. Cool. Well, we're going to chat soon. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Infinite Jestifer. He's a super cool dude. I get to talk to him every week on Bitcoin Kindergarten that is hosted by Nick Cantmine and My Living Truth. Uh, noobs should definitely check that out. And, you know, anybody in the Bitcoin space, uh, we chat every Thursday evening, 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, I believe. Um, anyways... Back to Jester, though. Um, his website and contact details will be in the show notes. And of course, if you want to reach me uh, by uh, on Telegram or Twitter, I'm at CoinIcarus. If you want to shoot me an email, I am CoinIcarus at funwithbitcoin.com. Keep stacking. Catch you all next time.